the G Podcast with your host, Tommy B. All right, y'all. Hey, what's up, y'all? We got to behave. We got a guest. <laughs> All right. All right, y'all. Hey, what's up? Welcome to the G Podcast. Uh, every week, we talk politics, uh, current events, everything that's going on, Corona, <laughs> COVID. Uh, this is episode 28. And, and don't forget, y'all, share. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you download, listen, and pass us on. Follow us on IG and Twitter. The links I'll give in a little bit later on. Uh, but uh, just got to say hello uh, to my uh, my co-host. Um, one co-host being Vi. You got your Easter speech? <laughs> Happy Easter! Hang on. Let me hold, hold on. Hold on. Here we go. Come on. Give me your Easter speech. Well, I want to say good morning to everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad to see everybody here, happy, singing, and happy Easter, everybody. Thank you so much. All right, Tanya B., you in the building? uh, Of course, yes, I'm here. (laughs) You got your Easter speech? My Easter speech is happy Easter quarantine, and I just put a cake in the oven. Yay! So this cake? show will not go late. <laughs> it will not go late. Okay. It will not no, go late. And and as my Easter speech every year was, Jesus wept. Thank you. <laughs> and we have a guest in the building. We're going to get into his um, what he's all about. We're not going to make you do a, uh, an Easter speech, uh, Kevin. Okay. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to put you out there. But Kevin Barnett is here. He's going to be hanging out with us. We're going we're gonna to learn a little bit more about his current book, Living in Shadows, Dreams Do Come True. And Kevin, I don't know if I told you. Well, Kevin, you know. I mean, I'm an adoptee as well. Uh, Kevin. Yes, yes. Yep. Yes. Ke- Kevin is an adoptee and uh, had, a, had a 30-year journey in finding his birth parents. And, and again, full disclosure, because uh, Vi, you know me a long time, right? And I have, and you didn't really know until recently, because because we didn't really talk about it much. I mean, you know, you knew my, you know, of course, knew my, my birth mother. Well, not my birth mother, but my my adopted mother and my stepdad. And it was like business as usual <laughs> in the house. <laughs> so so you know, I spent about seven years in foster care. Um, you know, from Grady day one for seven years. But you know, Kevin's story. I was looking at your story, man. And and it was intense. I mean, I, I don't remember. I don't. I don't think I had nearly the challenges you had. Um, and and I was fortunate, as some are fortunate. But you know, foster care is kind of roll of the dice. Sometimes you don't know what you're going to get. But I was fortunate. Uh, shout out to you know. Well, she's no longer with us, but my big mama, Coralie Chappelle, uh, who really was the uh, the the matriarch of the house who ran things, man. And, and, you know, she didn't just do it for the money, man. She did it for the heart. Uh, she had, um, you know, we had a house full, man. And, and, and Kevin, I'll say this, man, before we get into your story. Um, the biggest thing I think, man, was the not knowing when you were foster care. Would, would you agree with me on that? A hundred percent. You know, if you're in foster care, you don't know, especially the younger you are. If, if, you know, plus you have, you know, you, if you're in a group home, were you in a group home? No, I, I was in uh, two foster homes before I got adopted. Yep. Two foster homes. But, and I was in like a, it was like a group situation, but it was, you know, you had the foster mother, the mother, the group, uh, the home mother, and you had, um, 
her daughter, which her daughter wound up actually uh, adopting me, Mamie, um, which I'm grateful for. And she was a school teacher. But the situation with all the kids in the house, man, it was like, you know, a revolving door. And that can be a little unnerving, man. But we're going to get into your story. You gonna, Can you hang with us, man? Yes, sir. And and, yeah. you, and just kind of hang out with us. And and if you feel like you want to give some commentary on some of the stuff we talk about, just jump in. And um, you know we're not going to put you out there, but you know we'll put Vi out there. Uh, but we're not going to put you out there. And by the way, Vi, Vi, he's a vet. He's a vet, Army, U.S. Army. Uh, okay. How many years uh, in the Army, Kevin? A little over twenty plus. I, I retired. But yeah, he retired 20 plus years. And Vi, how many years did you have? 30. Yep. Yep. Three zero. And, um, he was in Afghanistan. You did Afghanistan and Germany. And, uh, Vi, Iraq. and you did, Vi, you did what? Two Iraqs and a Korea and Germany. Yep. So, so you guys probably have a lot to talk about offline, you know, so. <laughs> You probably do. You probably know some of the, you probably know some of the same people. He went went to the stand. Yeah. I went to the stand, yeah. Yeah, he went to the stand. Okay. I played with, in Iraq, we had farmers and citizens trying to be soldiers. In the stand, he had soldiers. Oh, yeah. Real soldiers in the stand. His soldier was scared to come to our base. Oh, yeah. They didn't, they didn't play, did they? Tanya no. B. Yeah. Hey, hey y'all, what we're going to do, um, Tanya B is going to give us some tea, but first, um, and I know, I know, it, it, I don't know. What kind of week has it been, Tanya? How would you gauge the week? Don't get into it yet, but I'm, I'm, how would you gauge the week in tea? A lot more than I thought it was. I'll just leave it at that. Okay. Cool. Okay. So let's do this, y'all. Let's do this first and then we'll come out of it. Um, and we'll talk about some of the week. Uh, we haven't done news in a while. So with this show, I do want to kind of get back into it. There are a couple of things that happened and, and we're going to come back on the back end. So let's hit the news and we'll be right back on the back end in just a few minutes. All right. There was growing concern about the disproportionate number of African-Americans that are dying from COVID-19. Surgeon General Dr. Jerome Adams, who is black, was asked about those numbers, telling CBS this morning. Blacks are more likely to have diabetes, heart disease, lung disease. And I've shared myself personally that I have high blood pressure, that I have heart disease and spent a week in the ICU due to a heart condition, that I actually have asthma and I'm pre-diabetic. And so I represent that legacy of growing up poor and black in America. And I and many black Americans are at higher risk for COVID. In Chicago, black Americans represent 70% of the city's coronavirus deaths, despite making up just 30% of the city's population. A civil rights group and hundreds of doctors are demanding the federal government begin releasing demographic data to better inform the black community of the risk. With all of us being told to wear masks in public, black men around the country are saying not so fast. A video of two black men being walked out of an Illinois Walmart has gone viral. In the video, one of the men says they were escorted out of the store by a cop due to their refusal to remove protective masks from their faces. On social media, there's been a big discussion about the danger black men face, especially if they wear homemade face coverings in public. Bernie Sanders has dropped out of the race for president. On any other day, that would have been the big national news story. But with the coronavirus, many stories are not getting major coverage. The independent senator from Vermont said, I cannot in good conscience continue to mount a campaign that cannot win. 
and which would interfere with the important work required of all of us in this difficult hour. Sanders also said the coronavirus outbreak, which has taken him off the campaign trail and limited his ability to get his message out, required a broad response and urgent attention in Congress. Sanders' decision to suspend his campaign means former Vice President Joe Biden is now the presumptive Democratic presidential nominee. A new Quinnipiac poll shows him with an eight-point lead over President Trump. Vi, you happy? No. <laughs> Why not? Am I happy? Well, I mean, you were waiting. Yeah. You wanted. You wanted Bernie to drop out, right? You wanted I Biden. I mean, I'm happy. I'm happy that uh, yeah, that Biden got. But my, but what I'm really afraid of, yeah, Bernie people are so angry and bitter. They talking about they want him to go to Green Card. I'm going to do. Do y'all want Trump to win, lose, or what? Yeah. Either yeah. if you're going to get behind Biden, help him win, or y'all going to do what y'all did last time. Yeah. And not vote for him because you don't like. Him. And then if that happen, I don't want to hear no Bernie supporter talking about Trump because y'all here put him in there. If you don't vote for Biden, you, you voted for Trump. Yeah. So yeah. I don't want to hear it. Don't hear it. Don't say it. Okay. How how much you dislike? How much you dislike Biden? How much you think he's not a great candidate? Mm-hmm. He is the candidate. He is what we got. Well, what about so you, Tanya B? Tanya B. No, no, I, I agree. And you know, it it is. You know, it's like either that is the same as not voting. So it's right. like, as I said, if you are really sincere in your conviction to get Cheeto 45 evicted from 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, it's almost like Joe is, as we say a lot of times, we all we got. He's all he's, we got right he's now. He's all we if got. Anybody, anybody else that goes to any other party like Bernie did before. Is going to split the election and it's right. going to make it that much easier for forty five to get reelected. Then after that, we might we can't even run north of freedom because the Canada border is closed. So what do we do? Damn, swing low, sweet chariot. That's right. <laughs> Let me ride. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> hey, so, um, I, I, Mr. Barnett, can you I, I, you can weigh in if you want to? <laughs> but, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> You, or you could just say no comment, move on. It's all, it's all good. You, you part, you, you all, since you're on the couch. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, I have to be with all y'all. Okay, cool. <laughs> good enough, good enough. Hey, let me say this though, y'all. Um, you know, one of the things, and I think Bernie said it best, there was just no path. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, and my whole point is this, and, and I, I've gotten into some discussions with some Bernie people, and I've said to them, Look, y'all, I mean, Bernie's real chance was last time, you know, this time candidly was just I mean, I'm not going to say it's an exercise in futility or it was, but I just didn't see the path, you know, so leave it alone. I know there are going to be some folks out there, Killer Mike, who will probably come out and say they're not going to vote at Killer Mike. But um, I'm just saying. And I hope they don't say that because we need young people going to the polls right now. So and and I know right now, Corona, I mean, this has been unprecedented in terms of how can you say um, a distraction. But I hope people stay focused on November. I hope we can get through it. And I'll leave it at that. Uh, the other thing I do want to mention, y'all, and this is crazy. And, and I'd like for everybody to weigh in when you look at the black population versus black deaths like in Chicago. Chicago's 30% African American, yet 70% of the deaths are black. You know, Milwaukee, you've got 26% of the population, 66% of the deaths are black. Louisiana, 32%, 70%. Michigan, 
14% African-American, 52%. Then you go to Mississippi. I can go down the list, but Mississippi's like 38%, 71%. Tanya B., I'll start with you. Why do you think, um, why do you think, what's your opinion? On that, you know, and I'm getting. I will be. I'm glad you asked. Mm-hmm. I'm getting a very strong opinion about this because, you know, I say yes. Um, people of color are at a disadvantage because of, like the Surgeon General mentioned, you have these pre-existing health conditions that are not ever monitored. So you're already at a disadvantage. Yeah. However, I will say this: whether you're in Chicago or Atlanta or Boston or LA or wherever you may be, everybody, but I said, we as people of color, we've got to be more proactive. And what I mean when I say that is why are we out there playing basketball so much on the basketball courts to where the mayor of Atlanta has to go and take down all the nets. Damn. Then she takes down the nets (laughs) and peanut and them decide they're going to start playing craps on the basketball court. Less than smart. Yeah. You Again, you have these neighborhoods and I have a, a cousin who's a doctor at Johns Hopkins and she said, you know, I had to drive into the office and I drove home through, I had to go through the hood of Baltimore mm-hmm. and I could not believe, again, in this area that really already has a scarlet letter on it because of income and health issues. Why are peanutting them out on the corner slapping skins and high five and sitting on the porch right next to each other? When these are the things that put you at a greater risk to contracting Corona. And I'm not even going to talk about all the smoking. And I don't just mean cigarettes either. So if you've got all those things he mentioned, diabetes, high blood pressure, asthma, things along that line. As a people, we've got to take some ownership of not following the guidelines. So while I get it, Mm -hmm. we've got to do better. And when you do things like that, let me... You can be illiterate and know what's going on. You can hear, you can see, you can read, whatever it is. So how how you say you don't know unless you're sitting in your house in the dark and never go outside. But then again, peanut and them are outside. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you can't say you don't know. Maybe you just don't care or you think you're not going to get it because it's very clear. And I'll tell you when I do my tea, Corona does not discriminate. I don't care how much money you do or don't have. I don't care how rich or poor you are. I don't care where you live. This is real. Yeah. And when people, you know, and Puffy had that big to do in his town hall meeting and I get it and I give him five on it for that. Hmm. I will be honest with you. I didn't watch it. But as much as he claims there is a conspiracy to kill off black people, I wonder if he presented the charge to people to be more responsible and be proactive. If you know you have a condition to follow certain guidelines so you don't end up in the charity ward and you don't end up, no. you know, in the grave. So, and that's not, you know, so, you know, this whole thing about, you know, it's killing black people. You know, sometimes we need, we need to, in this case, we need to get out of our own way because we are killing ourselves. It's almost like black on black crime to me. That's just my opinion and nothing more. Good stuff. Has good stuff. No, it's good stuff. Let, let me say this. And, and I'm, I want to throw something in here. Um, the, I grew up, I grew up in the hood. I mean, you know, I grew up when T.I. talks about Bankhead. I mean, I'm, I could walk to Bankhead. I mean, that's I mean, my house, our house was like on the other side. We're right over for for, for the ATL folks. The bank, the Bankhead Kmart <laughs> was the landmark. That's where we were, like over in that area. And, and my whole point was is about the black community that concerns me, Tanya, is is the the lack of grocery stores. 
and 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 really vegetable sources close to homes. And and I grew up. I mean, it was. I mean, really. Back in the day, maybe, you know, Vi, you know, and, and, and Kevin, we're probably all in the same age range. You know, you, you may have had a, um, you know, a corner store that was owned that had everything, you know, where you could go in and get a little bit of everything. But now, uh, it's unfortunate, man. And, and I, I just came from, uh, you know, part of middle Georgia where some of these neighborhoods have to drive like five miles, 10 miles to get fresh vegetables. And, and candidly, if you're eating all that sodium and stuff every day, that's all you got close to the house. You're going to have a problem. Am I right? I mean, you know, you're not right. You're I mean, so part, part of it is diet, man. And, 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 and I do think I know Michelle Obama tried to address it. You know, but you can't be putting kale. The kids ain't gonna eat kale at school, Michelle. They ain't gonna be eating kale. They're not gonna do it. black black kids ain't gonna eat kale. Okay, but at least for 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 the grandmamas, the people who are cooking, don't let these grocery stores flee the hood and quit. You know, quit telling us, hey, we can't locate close to your house because y'all stealing every day. You know, don't don't make them don't because we have to run to these neighborhoods or go further out. I I I think the food desert issue is a big deal. That's a big deal for me. And I think, you know, that that's like part of my platform. You know, we got to do better. I mean, not we, but we have to put pressure on our representatives for these folks to not run out of our neighborhoods with vital essential services. You understand? Does that make sense, Kevin? Am I making sense, man, or I'm just like talking in the wind? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I'm just saying, part of the health issue, I think, and and Tanya, I I agree with you, uh, is proactivity, but also, man, you know, it's a desert in the black community when it comes down to you know the the stuff that is really healthy for us. You walk into those corner stores, what's in there? What's the economics? Uh, like- hot Cheetos, uh, <laughs> everything like I said that is not supposed to be eaten. Yeah, you know, to, to be held. But the other thing is, you know, if you can be on the corner and slapping kids with peanut in them, yeah. can we take that energy and, like you said, put pressure on the people that we've put in office to protect and to serve us? You know, to, if you can't put a grocery store in a food desert, well, then doggone it. You know, there, and I see it here. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, there now, especially now, these farmers are having to throw out all of their crops because yes. they can't give them away quickly enough. So get, you know, like there, uh, I forgot, there's a, a farmer that comes into Atlanta once a week, and I think he was maybe in Tyrone, Georgia, someplace down there. Yeah, we in Georgia. But, but, Damn. Right. But again, he <laughs> takes, he has what looks like an ice cream truck. Remember Mr. Softy? Yeah, 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 yeah. And they take, they take them around. We used to have that back in the day, like the white right. truck. Yeah, yeah, pull yeah. up and do that. And, yeah. you know, a lot of times it's free because he caters to senior citizens. But I would hope also, if you can't get a grocery store in your neighborhood that quickly, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, apples to apples and oranges, I believe that these farmers, rather than throw away, uh, you know, uh, fresh string beans and, and cabbage and things that they're throwing away in mass yeah. that people would take. And I think a lot of times people also think it's quicker and easier to go to that corner store because, yeah. Yeah. you know, the, again, the mentality is we can't afford fresh anything. We can't afford right. fresh. I'm not saying go to Whole Foods. No, I mean, it's got to be affordable, too, because they, you know, they don't, say, you know. It's, economic, it's economic thing because the, yeah. the food is not so good for you. It's way cheaper than way the health, cheaper. Than the healthiest stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're in the food services, right? You, you kind of, I am, you, you kind of, you know, and so you understand 
the need for diet dietary the dietary need. You know. Oh yeah, because they big on that the hospital. That's what they big on. Yeah, we don't. My boss says she don't care about the taste. We just they care about the diet. The diet dietary need. Yeah, all that sodium, uh, the fats, the sugar, sugar, the grains, the breads, the vegetables. They have to have that. That was more important than anything else. I mean, I will I, say this. Go ahead, go ahead, there are programs, just like there are programs for financial literacy, mm-hmm. there are programs for nutritional literacy. And one reason why they're not utilized and they're starting to dwindle is because people don't take advantage of the opportunity to, I guess, you know, take too much time to learn how to eat well. It takes too much time to no, cook. If you got no. four or five or six screaming kids, I, I would assume I don't have children. You know, mm-hmm. it would be easier to just go and get a bucket of chicken mm-hmm. or go and get a couple of cans of SpaghettiOs and give them that to keep them quiet. But, you know, in the, the long run of doing that and taking the easy route, the yeah. most comfortable route is health challenges. And a lot of these kids end up pre-diabetic when they're like 10, 11 years old, which yeah. to me is mind blowing. It is. It is. Yeah. So, so my whole point in this and and I will say this and I'll leave it at this even the schools you know when they mandate health part of that health mandate is not just sex education it needs to be nutrition too you know and I and I I just you know it's for me I don't know growing up in the hood and and, and even serving the hood for the last you know doing urban you know serving the urban community the black community over the years and you go in there and you still see I mean I, I'm not gonna lie to you okay here's the deal Within the last two months, I watched three grocery stores move out of a black community within three months, major grocery stores, you know, and and that is still going on to this day. So I'll leave it at that. But I think, you know, black people and and and, and shout out to Cascade over those folks. They raised hell when those stores started moving out. And they said, look, if you move out. Publix or or Kroger, whatever, whoever you are, then bottom line is then we're going to boycott you throughout the city. That's what we're going to do. And and a lot of them listen. Well, for the most part, guess what? In Atlanta, southwest Atlanta, they still got those stores there because they, you know, people pull together. They pull their power. I'm going to leave it at that. All right, y'all. Hey, um, moving along. Appreciate the appreciate the opinions on that. Uh, I do. <laughs> I do think it's I, I think it's a big deal. I mean, I, I, I think it, it has a lot to do with our, our struggles. You know, it's just, and, and, you know, it has a lot to do with it. I'm going to leave it at that. All right, uh, Tanya B., you know what I got, you know what I'm, I'm going to ask for right now. <laughs> might <laughs> okay, as well. well. We might as well do it. We have a combo and, this week. And we have our guest, uh, Kevin, thanks for hanging with us. We appreciate you. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about your book. You learn a little bit, Kevin Burnett. I'm learning a lot. I'm learning a lot. <laughs> we talk too much. That's what's. That's I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know Puffy had a um, had a uh, town hall. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Puffy and you can is- probably catch it on the Revolt channel or on Revolt YouTube because he didn't do it until eleven o'clock at night. Uh, I probably don't want to uh, listen to him anyway. I, I have my little feelings about um, putting fear into people. Yeah, I hear you. Exactly. Yes, that makes sense. You know? Makes sense. All right. Hey, uh, Tanya B, you got your tea? Okay. Let me tell you what I got here. I've got, we've got, we'll go spin the wheel. Do you want the criminal, the Corona, the crazy, or the coin? <laughs> you know, we are. Go with the Corona. <laughs> go with the Corona. 
<laughs> okay. Well, as yeah, as I informed you yesterday, um, and I heard this interview that Teddy Riley did, and they have doing these um, these battles on Instagram, and it was going to be Teddy Riley versus Babyface. Well, Teddy Riley did an interview, and Teddy Riley spilled the beans. I heard he said, "Oh, we're not going to do it right now because Babyface is sick," and then I think it forced Face to come out and say that he and his entire family, his wife and two children, mm-hmm. had all tested positive for Corona. But thank God, now they're on the road to recovery. So it's a if that that's the worst birthday present he probably could have ever asked for. But you know, while we send him birthday wishes, let's send him get well wishes. So Babyface has Corona. Gotcha. Uh, Fred, the godson, still in the hospital, fighting for his life with Corona. Uh, five on it to Master P, who, you know, you make him say, uh, and he may be a little unconventional, but one thing he does do is take care of his community. And he has stepped up to provide deep, deep cleaning to the homes of senior citizens and sanitizing of their homes in New Orleans in the metro area. So five on it to him because we know New Orleans has really taken a beating since Mardi Gras with Corona. Big stuff. Good stuff. Uh, who needs a beating? B.B. Mm. Winans. Mm. If it weren't Easter Sunday, I tell you what I really think of BB Winans because he 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 decides he has to go to a funeral, not of a relative, of a friend. But you know, since Cece put BB over there, and since BB is no longer invited to Oprah's cookout, he's trying to get in wherever he can. So he gets on a plane out of New York, the most mm. corona-infested place in the country, yeah. goes to Detroit to this so-called funeral. But in the process, he gave his 84-year-old mother, Mom Dolores Winans, Corona, mm. and he also gave it to his brother, the pastor, Marvin Winans, who has one of the largest churches in Detroit. So until they got diagnosed, imagine the people, especially Pastor Winans, that they came in contact with. So if there's a spike, and there is a spike in Corona in Detroit, you going to blame it on B.B. Winans, <laughs> dumb dog, <don't> stupid. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got to say. Me too, Bob. Okay. All right. Next. <laughs> I'm afraid. Uh, okay. What do you want? Criminal, crazy, or coin? Uh, crazy. 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 Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think I talked about Neo last week, and Neo's a hoe, and I still stand by that. But, you know, he had uh, was in the process of separating from his wife, Crystal, the former porn star, to go be with the side chick. Well, no to side chicks. Married men do not leave their wives for side chicks. They really leave their baby mamas for side chicks. So now she's mad because he's decided to be quarantined with his soon-to-be ex-wife, so I guess that will cut her off, which I think is crazy. Mm. More crazy. How about the NFL draft being virtual? That is crazy and just no fun. Who cares? Do you think fine? I mean, do you, people create at football? They love football. I went they to the draft last year. I went to the draft last year in Nashville. I was working and it was still very interesting. I can't. Mm. You just can't imagine. But let me tell you. Let me tell you though, Tanya B. They, they want to know who who, who the players going to. They want that yes. draft. Given, given the choice, to to Vegas and act a fool too. But I can't do that. Given the choice <laughs> of no draft versus a virtual draft, they gonna go with that virtual, virtual okay. draft. I'll take the <laughs> like, virtual. Like fantasy football, they already doing what the fantasy is? draft. Uh-huh. So yeah, you okay? I'm I I'm a, I'm gonna listen to you, Tanya. But they already doing they the virtual the, draft. They want that football. No, it's, that's just a little cray cray to me. But I know I get it. I get it. I get it. Okay, crazy. Okay. Right. How about Flavor Flav? Uh-huh. Now he he was with this woman who looked like I think she is younger than some of his children. Mm-hmm. She gets pregnant. Now she's his ex manager. So now she decides 
she's going to put Flav on front street. So she took a bunch of Flavor Flav promotional items, set them around the baby and got online saying, he's not taking care of the baby. So I got to sell this to be able to support my child. Okay, here I go. I'm on my soapbox now Mm because you're dumb heifer. Number one, we all know Flavor Flav has a track record of only being not much more than a deadbeat dad. Mm. What made you think he would marry you? What made you think he'd stay around? What made you think you were the one? Do what a lot of other single women do. Get educated. Get up off your behind and go get a job and stop pimping that little boy Mm. for the sake of saying you need to support your child. Because if you couldn't support a child being Flavor Flay's manager, what are you going to do now? Anyway, dumb donkey stupid. And all I have to say is, you know what? Yeah. (sighs) And the internet pics don't go away. I mean, the kid grows up. Those so, yeah, this kid, uh, 2050. Oh, your mama was that hoe that had a baby by Flavor Flav. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn. Girl, bye. <laughs> Next. Go ahead. <laughs> what else? My last crazy. Okay. Tony Braxton and Birdman. They have had 99 excuses for why they're not getting married. Now, the current excuse is the coronavirus. I think there's, there's more to this story because if you are really down like four flat tires, you don't keep finding excuses not to get married. Yeah. Well, she got a new single. Doesn't Tony have a new single out? Yeah, she said her new single, Do It, is about taking care of your health. Like, you know, she has lupus, which she's battling, which makes her susceptible, Mm -hmm. you know, in the current uh, corona climate. But she's also saying it's to motivate people to do it in terms of follow the guidelines, you know, to take care of your health and and just be proactive. So I give her five on it for that, even though the song's about. But 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 do it. Do it don't mean do it. Get married, though. (laughs) No, <laughs> don't mean when that. she says do it, she means do it as in like invest in your health and in, in your family's health. Well, all right, then go ahead, Tony. You got anything else? Okay, of course I do. Uh, I'll do my coin real quick. My coin was just five on it and condolences to the family of Earl Graves Sr., mm-hmm. founder of Black Enterprise. He died at the age of 85 from Alzheimer's. But one thing I will say about him is he's a visionary because he was talking to people about getting your coin mm-hmm. and investing way before it came the cool thing to do. Because Black Enterprise has been around, what, about 50 oh. years more. Yeah, Almost. yeah, probably. Almost, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, five on it. And I hope his, you know, in this climate as well, I hope his uh, family and his son Earl Jr. are able to, uh, you know, to continue that legacy, even if it only ends up being digital only. But you know, Black Enterprise is still around, so five wanted to that. Okay, let's Absolutely. get to the criminal. I'm almost done. Okay. R. Kelly still trying, not getting out of jail, because mm. he said he thinks he might, you know, I think I might have Corona. No, you got something more than that. <laughs> then you got what's his name, NBA young boy, never broke again. Well, he about to be broke forever because. I say to his mother, who got on the internet and was saying, don't you talk about my baby. I'll do this. I'll do that. Why don't you do something about a 20-year-old that got four kids by three baby mamas? Where were you when he was bareback and these chicks making all these babies? So she needed to go somewhere and sit down and shut up. Mm. Mm. I'm done. All right, y'all. Hey, here's here's what we're going to do. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk to Kevin Barnett, author about his new book and uh, and what he's learned on the podcast uh, so far. So, uh, no, we're not going to do that to you, Kevin. But let's talk about your book on the backside. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, welcome back. This is the G Podcast. I'm Tommy B, along with Tanya B and my boy Vi's in the building. Also, we have a very special guest, Arthur 
Kevin Barnett in the building. Let's give him a round of applause. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, Kevin. Hey, Kevin. So, so Kevin's a native of East Orange, New Jersey, uh, retired Ooh. army, um, retired in 2008 after 20 years. Uh, again, we talked about the fact that he served in Germany, Afghanistan, uh, and many other stateside tours. Uh, he is a motivational speaker, does middle school, high schools, and uh, talks to adults navigating the foster care and adoptee arena. And we'll make sure we post this on the podcast page. Also, his website is livingmyshadows.org. And uh, you can also get the books there, right, Kevin? Yes, yeah, so you can get the books there. You also get them at Amazon. Amazon.com as well. So, so let me ask you, um, you, uh, again, I, I mentioned the fact that I'm an adoptee and, and I think the, the furthest I went, um, after I really got to a point where I really wanted to know was just going to the registry and ordering the record. But what, what, um, what prompted you to the 30 year journey? Of course, you've been doing it, but what prompted you to want to know? Um, you, your 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 birth parents. What what prompted you? Well, I wanted to know who I look like. Mm. I wanted to know. I wanted to know who, who I look like, where I get my uh, personality from. Also, wanted to uh, know my medical history. Medical history was the main thing that my grandkids mm. was, the, was the key thing. Uh, so that 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 got me going. That got me going. Uh, there was some um, some bumps in the road during the process. But uh, that that was the driving force, my grandkids, and finding out my medical history. Gotcha. So when you were in foster care for how long uh, in the system? I was in the foster care system from birth, uh, approximately 10 to 12 years. So the stories that I saw um, were pretty, pretty brutal, pretty gruesome. Um, oh, yeah. You know, uh, tell us a few, man, that... Um, that still kind of linger in your memory because I can imagine, I mean, you know, based on, you know, just some of the things that are just naturally part of being an adoptee, but some of the things that happened to you, tell us a little bit about that. Well, uh, all, all the bad things happened to me when I was uh, in the foster care system. Uh, one of the main things that I always think about is my foster uh, father, who was, was an older gentleman, but he was like an ex-police officer. He was black. Um, he used to play these mind games with me, <clears throat> you know, because there were two of us in the home. It was it was Maurice and it was me, and I was a dark-skinned one, and he was a light-skinned one. So they always used to use that to uh, play games in my head. But the main thing that got me was my, grand, my um, foster father would uh, take an extension cord and put it around my neck. Wow. And, and then he would, he would put the other end around his, uh, his wrist. And so he used to sleep a lot. And so he would put me in between his legs, and if I was moved or anything like that, he would, you know, lift his arm up and it would choke my neck. So he was trying to get me where I wouldn't move and I would stand still. But Maurice, which is my foster brother, he would, he figured a way out where he could, uh, get me out of that. And, um, uh, we'll go and play and then I'll get back in the same position again. And, and, uh, that, but that, that stands out a lot. I think about that quite often. Did you ever have a caseworker who would come in and check on you and, and, and ask? Uh, what? Back then, they would they would uh, they would come every now and then, mm-hmm. but uh, you know the crosses was really good with uh, instilling fear in you. I would I would dare to to say anything or speak out of turn. Matter of fact, when the social workers did come, 
I was saying hello to her, everything going all right, and then um, I had to leave the room. Wow. So the the yeah. the, the abuse and and things like that, you know, you knew they give you that look whenever you probably, I mean, I, I guess the foster worker or the coworker, no, what do, what do you call them? The uh, caseworker. Um, yeah. The social worker would, would interview you or talk to you in the room with the parents. So they would always give you a look. Yep. Well, wow. I was just too afraid to say anything. You know, you, you know, you're six, seven years old. You're not going to say anything. So how, how long you said you were in there for 10 years? I was in there until about 1971, about 11, 12 years. Wow. Wow. So when when you got to that point um, of adoption, um, what was what was the feeling and, and how did it how did it how did it move? How did it move you? Well, uh, we're backing up a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. The foster father, he died. OK, he not. Uh, that's the first time I ever prayed. And, and thank God for, for, for taking someone. Uh, he died of a hiccup, believe it or not. Wow. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh when he died, um, uh, his wife tried to carry on the, the, the uh, tradition, but it didn't work. I got a little bolder because she was, you know, she was a little weaker. And so when the case, she called the caseworker because I used to uh, do all kinds of things just to act out so she can call the caseworker. And finally, she called the caseworker, and uh, that's when the caseworker took me out to home. Mm-hmm. And um, I went to another home, which is the Barnett home, and I stayed with them for a couple of years before they adopted me. Wow. And it was a good, it was a good feeling. It was a great feeling. Uh, that's I wound up. Uh, I was born Kevin Hodge, and uh, so I took my uh, doctor parents' uh, last name and middle name. So um, it was a great feeling. It was a great feeling. Did you? So when when you made the uh, decision, what year did you make the decision to start your search? Uh, well, uh, let's see. Um, I've been searching all my life, but. To actually have concrete and, and, and um, direction and getting stuff from the state is when I joined the military. military. Well, actually, it was after I joined the military is when I went to uh, Germany the second time. And um, I was able to ask the state for some, some information. They give you uh, information, what they call non-identifying information. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, when the, that's when I started uh, searching for them. Got it. Um, I, I hired a, a private investigator, and um, but... The first time I did a, a full-fledged search, I, I came up short. Got it. Understood. So, 30 years. 30 years, yeah. Or more. <laughs> wow. So, so you know, Tanya B. or, or Rod, y'all, y'all jump in, but I, I've, I've got to ask, you know, Kevin, um, you know, over the 30-year period, man, and the fact that you, and, I, and I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I, I did ask for like the, the non-identifying information just because I wanted, uh, you know, the story. When I got the story, I was cool with it. I said, OK, you know, and, and I left it at that. Um, again, different circumstances, different people. Um, you know, what, what was good for you, you know, you, you know, in terms of the information you got, you know, or didn't get was enough for me. But um, ultimately, and I don't want to give away the book. Because you want people to get the book, you you know. I know you're gonna say, "Well, this is how it ended," <laughs> you know. And, and you probably mentioned you do talk about that in the book, though, right? Meeting them and the and the um. The I, I, I've been got to, to to meet them through uh, some, some searches and, and DNA can twenty three and me and, and ancestry, all that stuff. We had a play mm-hmm. and uh, Facebook from certain Facebook groups uh, had a play in me um, discovering uh, who my parents were. 
Was it worth? Was it worth it? Uh, yeah. Uh, my wife might tell you something differently because this, when, when my wife met me, she just met me and my um adopted folks. But now I had met at least since I found my parents in 2017. I probably had about six, seven hundred more relatives. Wow. So, so how many uh, more? About six, seven hundred from Trinidad to Washington State to the UK. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's amazing. Um. Uh, uh, sometimes it can be overwhelming. That 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 prompts the second book. Okay. Because of, yeah. So. So, so it's, it's a lot of joy, and then it's a lot of headache too. <laughs> so what's the joy is knowing the headache is just the overwhelming the people who are contacting you. Would you say reaching out? Well, not so much that. It's just juggling because you're juggling. They call as an adoptee when you find your parents and stuff. They call it triad. Mm-hmm. Triangle. You got your adopted family, your adopted family, and then you got your natural family on mother and father's side. Yeah. And so what it is now, you have to try to you, you find yourself trying to juggle time. You know, you don't want to. You know, I have more brothers and sisters on both sides, so you know, you want to juggle time. You don't want to show favoritism and things like that. And uh, and then I still have the uh, the dealings internally with my, um, you know, how I feel about my mother, even though I forgave her and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. you know, a lot. I missed in life. So there's a lot of emotions involved. That's the second book. So, you know, I'm going to be petty for a minute. Um, do, do you think, do you think it's worth it to give them as much as you get, you're giving them considering the circumstances? Well, that's the petty of me coming out. Go ahead. I, I, uh, outside of my mom who passed away last year, mm-hmm. the rest of the family had no clue. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I find myself, yes, it's time to make up 30, 40 years in, in, in the little bit of time I have. Um, but I don't, I don't think it's, uh, you know, maybe I'm just made up a different cloth. You know, I just try to, uh, you know, cause I miss so much and just want to know so much. And I want my, 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 my five kids to know so much. I want my grandkids to know who they are, where they come from. Yeah. Traditions and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. I feel you. Any any questions, Tanya B? Because I know I know <laughs> I know I know you got some, Tanya. Don't even don't even. <laughs> no, and I think you know it takes a a, a really a, a special kind of person to you know, really have the wherewithal and the perseverance. Because I think at some point in time, we all, even those of us that weren't adopted, we want to know where we come from. Especially, mm-hmm. I know for me, when it comes to just my family history, and now that I'm getting to be the holder of an AARP card just to know my family health history. Yeah. And um, so I look at what Victoria Rowell does with, um, I think, you know, foster and adopted kids. She does that. I think it's called home for the holidays every year, just to bring attention to that, which I think is wonderful. And actually I was watching, um, and it affected somebody in my family who thought that their mother was their mother. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until her son went to find out about, his father's side of the family and his father had passed away that this woman who, you know, whose mother probably never even thought about the internet. Mm -hmm. um, She would have gone to her grave believing that that was her birth mother. And she found out at the age of 60 something that she was adopted. Yeah. Wow. I'm sure you know, yeah, some people have, or you have, you know, the unconventional, you know, the the hood adoption where, you know, like Della Reese had this daughter Dumpsy, and uh, she had adopted her. Come to find out, it was just a relative's child who she took and raised, 
And again, here's a young woman who thought that Delarice was her birth mother. So, I mean, think you were able to, you know, do the heavy lifting and find out. And I give you five on it for that. But look at all the people that either go to their graves thinking that their parents are their parents and they're not, or those who really hit a lot of roadblocks back when, you know, they had, a, you know, they would steal things or there were just all, all these illegal adoptions that were done. Now, I'm, as you know, my question would be, what would your, um, like your advice be, if you will, um, Kevin, to people who begin to hit stumbling blocks and just want to give up? Well, two things. Don't give up. And the, the second thing is expect the worst. If you expect the worst, you can't go nowhere but up. Because there's so many horror stories. I was one of the fortunate ones. Uh, I, I didn't meet my father. Uh, uh, he, he, he passed away before I got to meet him. But um, I'm still part of some of these groups, and you hear some of these stories where people actually find their parents, and their parents tell them, don't touch, don't call me, mm-hmm. don't get in touch with me. If you do, I'm going to sue you. Wow. So you have to prepare yourself for that. And, um, and I, you know, that's why I recommend, you know, just don't ever give up, but expect the worst. And then if it, if it doesn't go that way, then, you know, you're good. Kevin, I applaud you, man. I, I really do. 30 years. Um, you know, going through that search, man, and, and, you know, having, um, you know, especially, I, I mean, I, I totally relate to starting off and, you know, foster care, you know, first 10 years or ho- however many years, it definitely has an impact on you. Um, and, and for you to be doing what you're doing, um, and, and you know what? There was a point where I wouldn't mention it, but it really helps people who are adoptees when you do mention it. And you came out right. on the better end. So you really self, you know, you, you pull away from being selfish and you say, hey, I'm going to let people know because it may help someone else. So you are helping people by saying that. Um, shout out to Shannon Marguerite, who does a podcast uh, on our network, State of the Ward. Uh, she's on hiatus right now, but, you know, she she's been through the adoption situation as well and 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 sought her birth parents out and found them. And uh, it's a different experience, man. A lot of ups and downs, and you know, you go on a, an emo- emotional roller coaster, man. So I, I applaud you, dude. I do. Um, you still doing your motivational speaking, and you got yeah. the website at livingmyshadows dot org. Uh, how mm-hmm. how are you? How are you navigating COVID and Corona nineteen um, with well, with everything shut down? Well, I'm doing a lot of working from home for my regular job, but as far as the speaking and stuff like that, that slowed down a lot. But, you know, of course, you can't get out. So I, I mm-hmm. try to uh, ramp up the, uh, you know, some of the books, throw some videos out there. I've got a web page, not only just a web page, I mean, a Facebook uh, uh, group for adoptees and foster um, care. So I try to do videos and I, I post a lot of positive uh, memes to try to help people through, not just people who are going through the, Adopted system or the uh, foster care system, but you know, just positive words. Mm-hmm. So I try to reach out in, the, in, that, in, that, in, that, in that way. And uh, you know, when this thing um, lifts, and hopefully I can get back out and start doing a lot of book signings and author talks, you know, um, you know, because that's where it's all at getting down in the weeds. Good we want to say one thing. No, go ahead. The military, the military helped me a whole lot. I, as being an adoptee and then being in foster care, um, your confidence level goes really low. So when I joined the military, it, it, it showed me, I mean, it, it gave me a whole different perspective. It gave me confidence in all kinds of things, uh, um, as, as, you know, as you know. 
how the military is as far as the cohesion and the teamwork and all that stuff. So military played a, a, a vital role in, in having me to push the extra mile when I needed to. It became family, man. It's like a family. And would Vi, yeah. would you say? Yeah, the military is just when you deploy, you know, you got your group. Like, uh, I was a 92 Yankee supply guys. And, uh, when we, did, when we deployed our, especially on our first deployment, we, uh, we stuck together. Yeah. It was like, it's five companies and, uh, all the supply guys. We, you know, we came with family. We stuck together. I mean, so, we, yeah. we had, we had to stay friends with the spot. I mean, to make sure we had enough ammo. <laughs> <laughs> supply and the cook. What they say, be friends with the pl- supplies and the cooks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so, hey, so Kevin, so I saw your picture, man. Were you like a boot camp sergeant? Like, you know, what were, what were you, man? What was your, what was your, your, your duty and rank and all that? I was a drill sergeant. Yeah, I thought years. so. <laughs> I uh, saw that picture. Uh, I said, damn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mayo, mayonnaise. No. <laughs> <laughs> I got no place else to go. <laughs> he had to throw him in that like, uh, like uh, metal jacket. What was the guy's name? Oh my god, Richie Gear and an officer and a gentleman. oh yeah, Ross, officer and a gentleman, gentleman and full Richie metal jacket. Richie Gear and Lou Gossett Jr. Oh yeah, yep. full metal jacket. That was my. That was the drill sergeant. What's his name? He passed away. Uh, the white yeah, guy. Uh, he played. <laughs> He was a DI. He was a drill instructor. Oh my god, he's in the. He was a the marine. Room. Oh my god. Yeah. That dude, you were, the, were you that kind of guy, Kevin? <laughs> at times, right? You know, at times, you, you know, you only can do so much with the uh, the, the peasant army now. You know, you, it ain't like it was when I came in. It wasn't like that. Oh, it wasn't like yeah, you got that right. In. It ain't like that no more. <laughs> like that no more. You go to jail and some of the things they used to do to us. So. <laughs> oh my god. Hey, man, Kevin, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, we greatly appreciate it. And you coming in here on 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 Easter res and, and you know what adoption is kind of kind of the metaphor like resurrection man because you know you you get a the initial birth and then when you're adopted it's kind of it is kind of like a second birth don't you think wouldn't you say it's it's absolutely one hundred percent yep yes so so it's a good it's a good time for you to be on on resurrection day so man hey keep keep doing what you're doing stay in touch with us let us know what's coming up. And uh, okay. we'll, we'll definitely, you're a friend of the show, man. You can come on anytime, sit on the couch and just hear us rant about stuff. And you can jump in and rant if you want to. He wants to sell books, so he's going to be quiet, you know. So I, I, I don't blame <laughs> you. I don't blame you. I don't blame you, Kevin. That's right. Stay there. Walk that fence, brother. Walk that fence. <laughs> now, Kevin, thank you so much, man. Stay in touch with us. Go ahead. I told you before, you know, real life talk podcast. So I'm. We're trying to, you know, move that slowly, but uh, well, let us know, man. I'm, I'm here. For, let, me, let me know if you need any help. Reach out. We got you. We got you. Just let me know. Uh, All right, Kevin. Mister Kevin Barnett, drill sergeant. Drill sergeant. Kevin Barnett, no longer in the building. Thank you so much, sir. You have a good evening. All right, peace out. Bye bye. Take care. I've done 30 years in the military and I still don't like my drill sergeant. <laughs> He's still on the phone and watch out. <laughs> He's still <Yeah>. here. <laughs> I don't even know if I shake his hand if I saw him. <laughs> Spit on him. <laughs> oh man. All right, y'all. Hey, um, it's been real and, and, and I do want to close. I, I, I want to shout out the other podcasters on our platform. I got to say hello to shout out to Dan. We grown. 
uh, Mike and Tiff, a seat at the table, Gail, uh, CEO Hayes, Awaken Soul and Breaks Media, uh, the G Lounge, Black Packing, uh, Real Spit No Swallow, uh, Brittany and Zoe, uh, Black Mental Matters, Vincent Makila, Makiba, um, Where Are They At, Nabate Isles, Love and Light with Paula, You Need to Know, The Dope Black Chick, Meditate, Motivate and, and, and Movement. Uh, we got our classic GP3 episodes, uh, in the trenches with the Toulons and the ATL, uh, Lemon Shade out in the UK, Get at the Root, Sanya Estelle, still doing her thing, State of the Ward, Shannon Marguerite, which is about adoption, and she's going, she's on hiatus, but she'll be back soon. And, uh, and Lania unpacking the box, one of our newer podcasts. Just want to shout out all y'all and just say thanks for the support. And, and through all the Corona stuff, a lot of these podcasts are still doing stuff. So make sure y'all support them. Make sure you, you support them. You know, Tanya B, you got anything to close with the week? I'm, I'm good. Just, um, follow me on Instagram, T Bird at, uh, no, T Bird Atlanta, T B Y R D Atlanta and Twitter, T Bird ATL. Um, I do want to send a shout out to a group of young men who were doing a lot of community service work out in L.A. And they sing. Their name is High Key. They're all between. They're all under 21. But um, they have a talent, wrote a song, and they have been nominated for Best R&B Soul Performance for the Independent Music Award. So awesome. five on it to them. Good stuff. All right. Then. Vi, you got Good any stuff. shout outs, man, before I get to my stuff? No, just stay safe. Mm-hmm. Practice the distance. And if you don't have any business going outside, stay in the house. Stay in the house, please. please. Stay in the house. And and again, I I, I echo that. Concur. I'm with you, sir. Uh, I I gotta say, man, you know, and, and to his family, uh, as as a friend, as somebody, as a former coworker, Ryan Cameron. If y'all are in the ATL, uh, recently uh, had a well, I, I guess he recently released the information. Um, on the news, just as we started the podcast, uh, he had a heart attack. Uh, Ryan's only 53, uh, but he's in ICU recovering. So, you know, really y'all, y'all say a prayer for Ryan. Uh, Ryan's a, um, a Hall of Fame broadcaster in the ATL. You know, we worked together way back in the day. Actually, damn, started off as an intern. Uh, good guy and great family and, and wish him the best and, and get through it, man. And a lot of folks, uh, are praying for you, brother. Just hang in there. Um, also, um, Gotta say, and, and I haven't been watching. I have been watching this, okay? So I need some. Tanya B, have you watched Air Low? Fires Airware? <laughs> I messed the name up Wait, so much. Who? No. Uh, that will be no. <laughs> Reese Witherspoon and Kerry Washington. If anybody watches this show, which I know y'all do, shoot me your comments. Cause I'm just, the show is, Tanya B, the show. Is just. I heard it's off the chain. Off the chain. This past week was just. This was the show that put everything in perspective, and it really right now has. You know, I told you it was already up there. It has just elevated it another hundred feet. So okay, what is yeah. it about? It's a it's a it's a book that came out. Actually, it was a, a New York Times bestseller that's been made into this series. Um, Reese Witherspoon is heavily involved as, I guess, almost like executive producer or, um, she, this is her project. This is her, her company that's putting, that's doing this with Carrie Washington. But it's about a black mother, which is Carrie Washington and her daughter and, um, Reese Witherspoon as a suburban white mom with a family. And it really talks about, 
uh, how these cultures interact and collide, um, but how they're really the same. It's, it's hard to explain other than there's so much you don't know that after eight episodes, after eight episodes, I finally learned what the hell was going on because you don't know. You're like, why is Carrie Washington the way she is? Or why is um, uh, Reese Witherspoon the way she is? And then it, you go through these episodes and, and finally, whew, the last episode just just kind of spilled the beans. So it, it makes it really interesting going forward. It's going to be a limited release. I don't think they're going to do more than one season, but damn, mm, it's a good. It's a good. It's a good series. It's interesting. Also, devs. I got to say, you know, anybody who watches devs on FX, hit me up. I like. I like your feedback. Love your feedback. That's on FX. Um, but you know, that's really all I have. Again, Kevin Barnett, thank you so much for hanging out with us. It's cake time. Time to get that cake ready. Um, uh, I think I got twenty five more minutes. It's, you know, you have to, a real pound cake has to cook about eighty five minutes. So, well, here's the deal. We're on, we're on time right now. We're give us your. Give us your opinion. Give us, give us your your soul food for Sunday, for for Resurrection Sunday. Go ahead. Well, you know, actually, I made a really big Good Friday dinner. I did chicken and all the trimmings. I did the wings, the whole nine yards. And for me, my wings are a garlic brown sugar rub, and it takes three hours to cook them slow and low, but it is worth it. Oh, wow. um, and I think what, I'm, I'm going to be like most people. I'm going to go to the store tomorrow and do an Easter Monday ham because tomorrow all the hams are going to be half price. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yes, you are right. If they're there, if they have but, any. Let me tell you this. The aroma in my house right now mm-hmm. is enough for you to play the soul food theme because, baby, I'm telling you, as sure as Jesus rose this morning, my mm-hmm. cake is going to be fire. My cake, I don't just you. <laughs> people do a sour cream pound cake or a cream cheese pound cake. My Nana's recipe uses sour cream and cream cheese. Wow. Mm. Tanya so B. I'll save a picture because you're not going to get a crumb out of me. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. Do Jesus. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tanya. All right, bye. Thank you, man. Appreciate it, brother. And uh, with that, y'all, episode 28 is in the can. Y'all have a great rest of your evening. And we are out of here. Peace. Stay inside. Peace. Stay inside. Stay inside. Stay you know, inside. Stay inside. Please. Peace. You've been listening to the G Podcast with your host, Tommy B. The G Podcast is a production of the Castropolis Podcast Network. Thanks for listening.